time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. Boom! <laughs> I wanted you to have an echo. This is a show where we plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And today we watched Mummies Alive! Because it has an exclamation point. Not to be confused with just Mummies Alive, which is a completely different show. What? There was two? Well, Mummies Alive, without the exclamation point, is like on the History Channel about actual mummies. Oh, yeah. okay. I got it. So this one kind of has the exclamation point so we can differentiate it like we did Our Real Monsters. Oh, so we have to like pronounce that exclamation point like Mummies Alive! We have to do that or we have to say exclamation point after we say it just to make sure people are aware. <laughs> Anyway, this was recommended by Jim Goff, a.k.a. at Lockwood on Tap on Twitter, a.k.a. Jim from Nerds on Tap, a.k.a. our buddy. Our co-host of, uh, hmm. Well, I thought I had something clever and witty to say about him, but I don't. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> so the show Mommy's Alive ran from 1997 to 1997 because it was only one season. It was, <laughs> it was produced by Deke Entertainment. It was one season, 42 episodes on the CBS network originally. Short synopsis, which is kind of a long synopsis. Actually, the synopsis is in the song. So I'm just going to tell you the song real quick and you'll get the gist of it. A little boy named Presley found a secret out this year that he was once a pharaoh when Egyptians ruled the world. And now a sorcerer named Scarab is trying to get him day and night. The good thing is four guardians protect his very life. They are the mummies. And to skip ahead a little bit, they're going to save the world today the Egyptian way. It was awful. Well, I mean, they nailed it. It was still stupid. You really get everything you need in the intro song. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like you have strong feelings about this show, Chris. I do. I'll get into that. I'll, I'll talk about some of the cast of this show real quick. First of all, uh, this cast, a lot of this cast worked together in other shows. So things like Transformers, Energon, Reboot, Sabrina's Secret Life, which was a cartoon based off of uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. A lot of these cast members from this show were on all these other shows. And some of them, two in particular, overlap on a whole bunch, but I'll get there. But the first one I want to mention, probably the most well-known out of all of these names, the character Wrath was voiced by Scott McNeil, and I love this guy. He is one of my, if not my favorite, voice actor of all time. For me, he's up there with Mark Hamill. But Scott McNeil... You may recognize him. He voiced Wolverine in X-Men Evolution, Rat Trap in Beast Wars. He was Duo Maxwell in Gundam Wing. He was Koga in Inuyasha and Piccolo in Dragon Ball Z. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That's and awesome. if you're a World of Warcraft fan in this last expansion, where they did a whole lot of cutscenes and things like that, Warlords of Draenei, he was the voice of Durotan, which was Thrall's dad. He had a whole bunch of cutscenes in there, so he got to do a lot of voice acting for it. It was Awesome. I love this guy's voice. Like every time I hear him, I get super freaking excited. So and lest we forget, he was also the archaeologist at the very beginning of the show. Oh, that's right. That's right. There was an archaeologist at the beginning of the show for, you know, half a minute. Yeah, <laughs> that, his his largest role yet. He also voiced a cop later in the 
one of the other episodes. <laughs> and I love those cops, but we'll get into that. Oh, all very important roles. <laughs> one of the other actors, the character of Jack Hall was voiced by Dale Wilson, who voiced Cell and Kami in Dragon Ball Z. Oh, man. And he was also Principal Kelly in X-Men Evolution and Akuma in Street Fighter, the animated series. So those two guys definitely have done some really cool stuff. And those two were also some of the ones that crossed over with the other members of the cast in the things like Reboot and Transformers and Sabrina, a whole bunch of other titles and a lot of video games. Those two are in a ton of video games. That's awesome. I didn't know. I don't look at what else they were in because I want to be genuinely surprised when you talk about it on here. I'm genuinely surprised. That's great. I didn't know they had such a big role in Dragon Ball Z. It's one of my favorite shows. Oh, yeah. Some really cool stuff. Like I said, man, like you uh, look at Scott McNeil's IMDb page and you will be impressed. Like you're going to be like, (laughs) I love this guy. I'm already (laughs) impressed, but okay, I will. The rest of the cast, um, not as well known in the voice acting world. Presley was voiced by Bill Switzer. Scarab, voiced by Gerard Plunkett. Nefertina, voiced by Cree Summer. Cree Summer has been in several things, too. I didn't make as many notes for her because she hasn't been in as much as the others. But you might recognize her voice from uh, a cartoon that was on Comedy Central for a while, Drawn Together. Mm. She did the majority of the female voices for that. And after hearing that, you go and listen to her in this show, you can kind of pick up on it with like Foxy's voice and things like that. I, I could tell now, yeah. And then the last one, Armand, he was voiced by a man named Graham Kingston, who doesn't have a whole lot to his portfolio there. So, But that's pretty much the main cast. I didn't bother with anybody else because everyone else from that point is kind of really tertiary characters and not reoccurring. So I just wrapped it up. You Get just it? wrapped it up like Get a it? mummy. Because it's, yeah, mummies. <laughs> Well, let me dust off this ancient spoon-like utensil and pull out one of those stale, dry marshmallows you run into after your cereal is past its expiration date. And we're eating it with uh, evaporated milk, right? Oh, yeah, evaporated milk. Yeah, it's completely dry at this point. So originally, Mummies Alive was geared towards an older audience, but during production, it was turned into the kids' show that we ended up with. So that's unfortunate. I really feel like it could have been a stronger show had they stuck with their original idea. I I really hope that like the first episode wasn't a remnant of it supposed to being more geared towards like an older generation because good lord no this was like this was like pre-production it was supposed to be for adults and then i guess they just went into it like you know what let's make it a kid's show let's make it fun oh man that was their first mistake (laughs) right there secondly hasbro produced a series of mummies alive five inch tall action figures and vehicles in 97 i have wrath because he's my favorite character oh voiced by scott mcneil of course he's the best there you go (laughs) Lastly, there's no lastly. That's pretty much it. The rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the marshmallows disintegrated the moment they hit the milk because there's not that much that was really interesting about this show, unfortunately. I tried to dig uh, around, but I didn't find any more remains. Do you have any memories of this one? I, I have very limited, but I mean, yeah. since you have one of the action figures, I thought maybe you might have some. Yeah, absolutely. I, I most remember watching it before school in the morning and give me like a good boost. Pre-coffee, all I needed was a thrill of battle, which is pretty much this show's focal point. <laughs> so maybe I should start battling people to wake up in the mornings if coffee's just not doing the trick. Wake up in the morning and fight some mummies. That'll get the blood going. As far as I go, I just have very limited memories of the show. Wasn't something that I really watched. I think I caught clips of it every once in a while because there was a couple of things that were familiar to me. In particular, the mummies themselves wearing their armor um, was something I recognized. 
And I recognize the look of the show, but, you know, that could have been, like, commercials that I saw for it while I was watching, you know, good shows. And (laughs) (laughs) that's about all I know of it, honestly, before going into this. Yeah, and you were were even texting me while we were watching this, and you were just like, I can't finish this. Like, this is terrible. I think I I asked you if it would be possible to commit suicide by holding your breath. Yeah. I disappointed you when I told you probably not, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about this show. So let's just jump right into our three episodes that we watched for today's show. The very first episode, the highest rated episode, and finally, random or listener chosen episode. Order varies, of course, depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode. Ra 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 ra. Season one, episode one. They put a lot of thought into that yeah, first yeah. episode title. <laughs> The first episode explains how everything came to be. The mummies also find out Nefertina is a woman. That's literally the description (laughs) that was on Wikipedia. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to get to that part. It's not wrong, but that's kind of jumping the gun there. Just to kind of set up for like um, the series as a whole and this episode in particular, um, like we mentioned earlier, the very beginning of the episode starts out with an archaeologist and it's sometime in the past. We don't really know when, but the style of the cartoon is different from the rest of it, whereas it's like more sepia in color, grayish brown and really washed out and stuff like that. And it's this guy, you know, it's an archaeologist with some workers and they're opening this tomb and uh, the local people helping them out are like it's cursed of course because it's a mummy tomb and that's what you do with a mummy tomb you say it's cursed right and then you run the away once it's opened (laughs) there's gonna be a lot of bleeping in this one he says something really stupid like uh whatever's in here hasn't harmed anyone for like thirty thousand years i don't think it's gonna start now and i'm like well no because it's been trapped in there the whole time (laughs) yeah doesn't mean if you don't let it out it's not gonna attack somebody (laughs) idiot so anyway, of course he goes in and our big bad of the whole series is hanging out in there. His name's Scarab, this old dude. <laughs> <laughs> they don't explain Scarab that much in any of the episodes we watched, but some of the, the background info on him is he was a former advisor to the Pharaoh back in his day, but he killed the Pharaoh's son to try to gain immortality, basically trying to like siphon his life or something. It didn't really work out the way he was hoping, and he got sealed in this tomb as his punishment. Yeah, the so. pharaoh sealed him in the tomb. I mean, it worked out. He's obviously immortal because it's yeah, been he's alive. 3,500 years. Kinda. But yeah, he, he's alive, but... Uh, From what I understand, that spell is starting to wear off. Basically, we then get introduced to this kid, this kid Presley, (laughs) whose mom works for this museum, and Presley's just, I don't know, just a kid. (laughs) He sucks. (laughs) And, uh, okay, Presley's probably the worst character I've ever seen in a cartoon. Really? Hands down, this kid's awful. Every line he has is just terrible. And... I'm sorry, Bill Switzer, whoever voiced him. Good Lord, man. Like, (laughs) his lines were delivered so bad. I mean, to be fair, Bill was a kid when he did this. So I can't be too harsh on him. But man, like, everything about this character sucks. Even though he's like the central point of this whole show, the better episodes are the ones that really don't have much of him at all. Exactly. In, in fact, the highest rated episode, he's not in it for a single scene. That's true. That's true. At all. And that's the highest <laughs> rated. That should tell them something. Yeah. So anyway, 
he is at his mom's museum because his mom's really not paying attention to him because she's such a good mother. And he's wandering around in the uh, museum messing with like the sarcophagi and things like that. Scarab shows up and he's like, hey, what's up, kid? Like, I'm going to, you know, do something to you, something nefarious. Well, actually, first he trips over a tiny cat sarcophagus and immediately just starts crying. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, wait, I don't even like cats. Why am I crying? Just kind of tosses it away. Like, what the hell was this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's just some of the worst writing ever. And his scream that awakens the mummies (sighs) is pretty terrible. It sounds completely unnatural and not like that kid scream at all. Yeah, Scarab shows up. He brings all these statues to life. And apparently he has an unlimited amount of these statues. Well, he makes them out of clay or something. Oh, there we go. He makes them out of clay because that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And they just keep showing up and they're trying to attack this kid. And the kid hides in a sarcophagus himself. And then what, uh, one of my one of my favorite things real quick. OK, well, the mummies awaken. They are his protectors. They were his guards in their previous lives. But one of my favorite things is this reoccurs quite a bit from even what we saw is the Shaptis, those clay people who have obvious yellow faces with no pupils. They try to fit in by disguising themselves as guards. Yes. Police officers and yep. various citizens. And it's like. You obviously stand out. I am really glad that you brought that up because that is going to come up in one of the other episodes. Nice. I have a point to make with that, but I'm going to wait till we hit that point. <laughs> but thank you for bringing that up because that'll just make my point even better. Excellent. So basically, the reason Scarab is after Presley, um, not only to kill him because he's obnoxious, but also because he's supposed to be the reincarnation of that pharaoh's son that he killed uh, a long time ago. The son was called Rapses because that sounds like a cool name. Rap. C's. Yeah, because it's a uh, play on of Ramses And rap music, because they're catering to the youth culture of, you know, the 90s. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, it, his scream brings the, the four guardians to life. They're the best part of this show. Like, those four are kind of cool, for the most part. Yeah. So, why don't we talk about them real quick? So, the leader is Jakal. What do we know about Jakal? Jakal is... I mean, they're obviously all from 3,500 years ago, protected the pharaoh and the prince when they were alive. And Jakal is a hunter by trade, and he constantly is speaking in like hunter terms, like he's comparing things to, I don't know, he he just uses hunter-esque verbiage when he's talking about things. He's constantly referring to that. We have Wrath, who is the most intelligent, but he's the most intelligent back from millennia's ago so now he doesn't know a lot about the current world so it's kind of funny hearing him he's very arrogant too extremely arrogant he knows he's the smartest and continues to tell people that but he gets frustrated easily because someone who's around him often is Armand who is the brawn of the group he only has a single arm he lost his other arm in uh, a war of some sort back in Egypt but when he does do his transformation he grows his other arm back and he's a really bulky he's kind of like incredible Incredible Hulk size wise, not too much brain wise, but yeah, he's kind of an idiot. He's got a good heart and he eats a ton, which 
<laughs> which is confusing to me that he eats so much because like hey he's, he's dead he, yeah he's he's undead so unless he's a zombie and he's feasting on brains and i don't get it i don't get what he's eating where it's going exactly and in one episode i think it's the next one too like he's like oh i'm hungry and jacques like we're all hungry and i'm like why are you hungry <laughs> yeah. you're mummies you don't eat food <laughs> god I also wonder if their brains were extracted through their nose like mummies typically they are. Shouldn't ha- yeah, they shouldn't have brains or tongues or any organs, really. They took all of that stuff out. The eyeballs. If anything, they should be just pure, like, mental slaves of the pharaoh with one-track minds. They should not have personalities. Exactly. That would make this a very adult show if they were just yeah, like we're, that. We're getting pretty deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who's our last one? We have Nefer, who, well, Nefertina, who they originally thought was Nefer for the longest time until this ridiculous reveal. Okay, when she comes out, <laughs> it looks like a woman. She's not hiding any of her female parts or anything. Yeah, she very obviously has boobs. Right. I mean, they definitely draw the breasts. Like, you can tell that they're there. She's got the female frame. She's got the breast. And the only thing that's covered that is confusing the men for some reason is her hair. She has, like, a little cap on because, of course, back in ancient Egypt, she wouldn't have been able to be a chariot driver, which is what her goal was for some reason or another. So she was hidden the whole time until she comes into this millennia and Presley just like oh she's a girl and that was it that was a big reveal for her right I feel like being a chariot driver maybe I don't know maybe it was more illustrious back then but I feel like (laughs) a chariot driver like in these days would be like aspiring to be a limo driver or maybe like a taxi driver like if that's your lifelong goal I'm really sorry. <laughs> she just she just had the need for speed, Chris. <laughs> the way that I thought that was kind of clever is because they announced that ahead of time so that you know that she's going to be the one driving all these crazy vehicles that the mummies eventually get. Like mummy-themed vehicles. Yeah, exactly. But they let you know right off the bat that she's the one who's going to be driving them because she was a chariot driver. And here's the interesting thing about these four. Not only are they protectors of the reincarnation of Rapsies. What? 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 <laughs> they have these special powers where they basically say, with, with the, the strength, strength of Ra! Like they all four have, they have said it like pretty much, I mean, if they're together, they say it at the same time. They basically go through like a Sailor Moon type transformation where there's all these crazy lights and they do like a little dance move. <laughs> And then they become covered with, like, armor resembling a certain animal. So Jakal, you would think, maybe he would get a jackal, but no, he, he's a hawk. That makes sense. Nefertina is a cat. Wrath is a snake. For some reason, I wrote snaker on my <laughs> notes. I think that was a typo. And Armon was a ram. And Nefertina's armor even makes, like, growling panther noises when she fights. And she has a whip because why not? She's a mummified cat woman is what she is. So those are our main characters right there. Those are our characters. This episode really, it seemed very short because all that really happened was the characters come out, they rescue Presley, then he gets taken away almost and they rescue him again. Then they just go into hiding and that's about yeah. it. They got to get their sarcophagi. Oh, they, they do have to get the sarcophagi because that's something cool too is they do announce the limit to their power by... And Presley brings it up by saying, like, why aren't you guys in that form all the time? And it drains the magic that they use to stay in that state. So they have to recharge it by resting in the sarcophagi for an unannounced period of time. Right. Then they can power up again. Basically, It's basically like 
that's how they plug in and recharge. They take a snooze in the sarcophagus. I wonder if the same goes for Scarab because he's got that cool armor too. Oh no, the thing that's interesting about Scarab is he somehow has some sort of like, he has a human form he can take on. Yeah, well he's a sorcerer, of course. Mr. Stone, he's one of the benefactors of the museum that Presley's mom works for. And uh, basically, yeah, he's got this human form that the other mummies don't have. So he can go out in broad daylight in public where the mummies really can't. Yeah, you would think with all of Wrath's magic, he'd be able to fake that somehow. But as we see in a later episode... Doesn't work out. No. (laughs) Well, so in this episode, it's just like back and forth of save, capture, save, capture. And eventually uh, he gets saved. And then the mummies have to go find a new hideout because they can't stay in Presley's house the whole time. And then they end up in this abandoned Sphinx that's just in the middle of the city, I guess. I don't know where it's located. It's by the museum, I think. A Mr. Stone shuts it down because... Because he's a jerk. Because he's a jerk, yeah. Well, just to set it up so that they can use it as their hideout, really, so... Oh, and there's a cat. Oh, There's a cat wrapped up like a mummy, too. Yeah. Kati. The sacred kitty. Uh, I I do like that they always refer to Kati as the sacred kitty. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the mummies always call it... Like, something will happen, they'll be like, oh, good sacred kitty. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which, that's kind of funny, but I digress. Oh, yeah, and... This cat can transform kind of like um, the cat in He-Man. Oh, yeah. Except, like a big except old... not as big. It just kind of turns yeah. a little bit larger and more dangerous of a cat. Right. It's still cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode is all about telling you that this show is exactly like every other cartoon you've seen. <laughs> they hit every stereotype. I mean, especially like with the characters, you get, you know, the really the, like the stoic kind of goody two shoes leader guy. You get the geek who is wrath. Um, you get the brute, which is Armon. At least he's funny because he's always eating, but that's that's your brute. And you got your wild card, which is Nefertina. You have your disposable bad guy minions that there's tons of them for no apparent reason. And, you know, even though they destroy like 20 of them in one scene, there's like 20 more in the next scene. Yeah. And then you get your unwilling human character that just kind of gets stuck with this group of random misfits from like another era or from the past or from the sewers if you were Ninja Turtles. Yeah, you could very much parallel this with Ninja Turtles because you could just say Jacal is Leonardo, Wrath is Donatello, Armand is Michelangelo, and Nefertina would be kind of a Raphael playoff because she's also very much she's about... A fighter. She's a good fighter, but she's also very much about trying to fit in and trying to discover the human world. She doesn't always want to be a part of this whole mummy thing. She's a lot more adventurous and outgoing. And here's the thing that I want to bring up. I thought this was in another episode, but it was at the end of this one. It was about those minions, about how you were talking about how they dress up in disguises and stuff, but it's really obvious. Yeah. So here's the thing. At the end of this episode, there is a scene where they are in the road because Presley, being an idiot, runs at them all by himself, thinking he's going to stop them for some reason. And apparently, Presley wears the same clothes as whoever outfits Robin from the golden era of DC Comics, (laughs) because he's got those green, like, short shorts and weird-looking clothes. Anyway, some of those minions are disguised as police, but some of them aren't in disguises at all. What? (laughs) Yeah. What was the point in being disguised if you're hanging out with guys that look exactly like you and are not disguised? Yeah, like, do some of them have actual day jobs? Is that how Scarab got <laughs> is that how Scarab got rich was just sending his minions out to do menial task? Uh <laughs> it's a big cluster. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Oh wait, hang on. Let's kick tut. Oh god, yeah. 
They do introduce Let's Kick Tut in the dumbest way possible by Rath mishearing Presley saying kick butt. Why would somebody want to kick tut, he says. And then they <sighs> Nefertina announces it after they tear out of the truck. And from then on, they kick tut. It's like <laughs> it's like let's kick shell, except it's tut. Anyway, next episode. This is actually the highest rated episode, according to TV.com, A Dark and Shrieky Night, Season 1, Episode 26. And the show begins with the mummies in battle with Scarab and his Shabti. After the battle, they find themselves far away from the Sphinx needing to re-energize. Without any power left to transform, they have to cross town on foot and have many interesting close encounters with various city people. Okay, now that is literally the episode. Yep. It is literally them just walking through town. So let's talk about some of the interesting <laughs> encounters they have with the city people. Uh, um, <laughs> well, first, we also get introduced to a pair of cops. Oh, yeah. That, Joe and I Bob. love these two. Joe yeah. and Bob, yeah. They're pretty funny. Like, one of them is sad because he wanted to be at, at a um, paranormal convention that he is some sort of local county, like, treasurer of. Um, and he <laughs> yeah. even has, like, a spaghetti strainer he's using for a hat and he says it's a ceremonial headpiece yeah and the other cop is this uh kind of more stereotypical cop i mean they make him like overweight and kind of goofy so stereotypical in the sense of like cartoons and stuff like that which this was the one that was voiced by scott mcneil and i i could hear it in the voice and i love it his voice is very much um cliff from cheers yeah yeah it really is Basically, at first, we don't really know the reason we're introduced to them. It just kind of cuts back and forth between scenes of these two cops and then scenes of the mummies. And eventually, it's because, you know, they're going to intertwine because the cops start responding to some of these other people in the city witnessing the mummies and stuff like that. And the one's like, oh, man, I really want to see them. But anyway, they were some pretty good comedy relief. They were pretty funny. Yeah, they were probably like the one of the highlights of the episode. What did you... Okay, so let's start from the beginning with the hot dogs, where Armand, of course, being the hungry one, just wants to get a hot dog, but he wants it for free. So he's going to steal this dude's hot dogs. Because <laughs> he's a hero. Of course. Uh, but yeah, this was the point where I'm like, why Why are they eating? Why do they? Need, why are they hungry? Yeah. I don't understand. Because that was the line where Jack Hall is like, we're all hungry, Armand. <laughs> I'm like, no, you shouldn't be. Unless it's for brains. Right, exactly. that's what zombies want. And mummies are pretty much zombies. So Yeah, just undead in general. So that doesn't work out according to plan. The vendor gets scared and starts running away with the cart and then falls and the cart's speeding away and about yeah. to fall off a bridge. And Armand changes by doing a Sailor Moon dance and then grabs the cart and saves it. And then the guy gives him a complimentary hot dog. And he's like, well, do you have any for my friends? <laughs> he's like, friends. And then the he screams and runs away. And they get their hot dogs, but only because the hot dog vendor throws them at them, apparently. I would still call it stealing oh yeah it's still because he didn't say here you can partake in this food that i prepared <laughs> even if he threw it at you he still didn't say you could have it that leads to the point where they disguise themselves with clothing from the that happens to be their size clothing from the dumpster nearby why wouldn't it be of course <sighs> and then nefertina gets on the bus with and then oh my god she's the only one on this bus too besides guy driving it's like the hijackers mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, these two hijackers get on. And the driver, yeah. And this uh, this just shows you how bad the writing is. Like, who would get on a bus, tell them you're going to rob the bus, but say you're going to wait until you're at your destination, and then... <laughs> 
and you're robbing the bus. Right. That's not something you say ahead of time. Right. You wait till you're there and then you say, yo, like I'm taking this money now, even though it's just quarters. <laughs> yo. <laughs> like, hey, I got a lot of laundry to do and it's coin operated in my building. So I'm going to steal all these quarters from you. Uh, oh my so these God. were already these were idiot thieves and yeah. but Nefertina doesn't have her weapon she she can't transform she's too low on power so she has to fight them the regular way here's one of the other things I don't understand is like regardless of if she can get her armor right I mean we, she's got moves she could fight it's not like the armor gives her special powers or anything it just she gets a whip right. and she gets her armor yeah exactly so that doesn't enhance her in any way other than she has the armor and her weapon so like like when she first tries to summon it and it doesn't work, she's like, uh, and like backs down and doesn't do anything. Like she cowers away from the guys. And I'm like, but you still know how to fight. Like what the hell? Ah! She doesn't need the whip. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, just fight them. They're just, they're two crooks. Right. Oh, okay. She said something kind of dirty in this. Did you catch that? Uh-uh. What was it? I don't remember exactly what the robber person says, but something along the lines of give it to me, like, I guess thinking that she might have money or something. Yeah. And she goes, ooh, you said you want me to give it to you? Like, with this oh. kind of, like, knowing, like, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a second point. That will jump off of that, but in the next episode. Okay. So we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. The other mummies come and rescue her from the bus, and she was in such peril for some reason. What was really crazy was they scare the bus driver to make this happen. Why don't they scare the crooks? Like, the other mummies right. frighten the bus driver, who ends up wrecking the bus into the police car, which we see the aftermath of. Oh, here's the... Yeah, here's one of the other special abilities the mummies have. Besides Sailor Moon dances to get armor, uh-huh. they also have the ability to make really gross faces <laughs> yeah, and scare people, they which do they do that. often. Yeah, especially in this episode. They do it a lot. Yeah, they did it too. They stumbled upon a drunk guy too that was trying to get into his car because he's like talking to his keys because he can't find them. He's like, where are you? And like, oh, yeah. it's just creeping me out. <laughs> so they do the they do the scary face to him too to scare him away so he doesn't drink and drive so that's a good message at least yeah don't get drunk and try to drive your car or else mummies will come scare you yeah yeah mummies will make creepy faces at you so then the mummies end up going to the club or just a club a random club the club owner i don't know the bouncer whoever's at the door thinks they're the act gives them some money which they'll be able to use to get home according to jacall that's why he took the money i can tell you this much up front having been in the music business for a little bit you do not get paid up front (laughs) (laughs) that's not how it works you are lucky to get much money after the gig. Yeah. Especially like a little club like that. You would be lucky to get much at all. And you definitely don't get it till the end of the night. They go up on stage. They get all these instruments because apparently they all know how to play whatever instrument they ended right. up in front of. Exactly. They're ancient Egyptians, but somehow they know how to play a stand-up bass, a drum set, a saxophone, and they know how to make up a song that actually works together, on a soft fly. jazz song that Nefertina can suddenly just sing soft jazz and knows what <laughs> a microphone even is. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, this part was really kind of jumping the shark. It was, uh, yeah, so they play the one song, they get cheers, and then they run off, and that's it for that part. 
Um, yeah. They try to get a cab. The cabbie runs away because, you know, it's four big mummies. Yeah, they go down to the subway to get a ticket. They don't understand the whole machine thing, so that doesn't work out for them. Cops run into them in the subway. Eventually, Jakal and Joe meet up, and Jakal convinces Joe that he is an alien, an alien, or at least that's what Joe thinks. I don't know if that's what Jakal was trying to do, necessarily. He does it until he thinks that they're aliens. Like, he, he says something, like, basically, like, letting... Jakal know that he thinks he's an alien, so Jakal just kind of runs with it. Yeah, he tells him that he thinks he thought the planet was Lumot or something like that. Yeah, he calls the Lumot. And yeah, then he the makes planet. the scary face again for no reason, but it doesn't scare Joe. It just convinces him that he's an alien. He doesn't even like, it doesn't even give him pause. No, he doesn't flinch. He's like, oh, this is normal. So, <laughs> like, yeah, he makes the scary face and starts to run away. He's like, bye, friend. <laughs> oh my god that's kind of the end of that episode really it ends up with the going back to the sphinx it does like a zoom in and that's it as much as i talked crap on this episode it definitely is the best episode because presley is not in it yeah. whatsoever not a single scene not a <laughs> single second of this crappy kid takes place in this episode this was absolutely the best episode of the bunch so could be the best episode of all as it was rated yep it was good it was fun in certain parts i liked watching them go through their adventures as kind of uh lame as some of them were and unfunny it was still interesting. There's still some fun stuff to it. And Elise Nefertina has kind of a sexy singing voice. Yeah, the song was actually good. One of my other questions was why the mummy with one arm went for the drum set. <laughs> like, <laughs> Also, uh, what happened to him that his other arm started hurting or something because he was losing his energy? You know, they didn't make it clear. I had to rewind and watch it a few times and they don't really show you what's going on. He just goes, oh, my, my arm. arm. But yeah. and then like Jakal and Rath are still talking about something else, even though he says that. And then they finally turn around. Nefertina's like, oh, we're going to lose him. We got to get him back. And they just kind of wrap his arm up with even more mummy wrap. And then it's seemingly fine. Yeah, that's all I needed. Just more wrap. (sighs) Maybe it was duct tape. (laughs) They probably found it in a dumpster, too. That's where they found the script for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just move on to the last episode that we watched. Honey, I Shrunk the Mummies. Season 1, episode 34. Chosen by Jim for reasons unknown. I'm going to assume it was because of Charlie the Janitor. That's really it. I don't know. (laughs) In this one, Wrath is trying an incantation to invoke the power of a talisman. After Armand translates it correctly, he inadvertently shrinks the mummies to the size of beetles. Now they must travel to the museum to find a scroll to reverse the spell or be stuck as mini mummies for centuries. Here's the thing that's good about this episode. Like, this episode wasn't too bad, and that was because Presley was barely in it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he he played a really, like, because the mummies were so small, they were really kind of on a different level. Like, it was their adventure as tiny things, a la Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I just like that description. It's their adventure as tiny things. (laughs) You made it sound really cute. (laughs) Well, they were adorable. (laughs) They run into things, like, you don't really think about. Uh, There's spiders down here. There's dust balls everywhere. It makes it kind of a crazy perspective looking at it from their view okay so this episode starts out though with jacal trying to learn how to play mini golf and uh, presley is trying to give him advice he says you gotta wiggle your hips 
You don't do that when you mini golf. There's, what, what's the reason for that? But <laughs> I digress. The reason I bring this up is because I said in the last episode that Nefertina said something that could be taken as kind of dirty. And, but, you know, maybe it was a fluke. But in this episode, so Jakal takes that advice seriously and starts like wiggling his hips, like wiggling his butt in the air, basically. And Nefertina immediately pervs out and she's like staring it down and like she's like, oh, be still my heart. Nefertina's a dirty birdie. Like she, uh, she is not hiding it. That chariot's not the only thing she was driving. It's, <laughs> it's been how many centuries for her? You that, know, true, a, true. Girls Woman, got needs. I was so. gonna say, <laughs> mommy's got needs. The mummies get shrunk by the talisman, as I said in the description. And from that point on, they need to get to the museum, which is next door. But to them, at this point, it's like miles and miles away because of their stature. So they have to get over there, which is a new challenge. And then they try to get Presley's attention, who came back to get his library books or something. And at first, he doesn't notice them. Well, he doesn't notice them for most of the episode. Well, at first, they don't even realize that they shrunk. They think they were transported somewhere until... Jakal transforms and he goes flying into the air. One funny part that I enjoyed, this was a gag that they brought up like a couple times, which was they'll cut to a scene of them saying something, but basically the camera, so your view is panned way out. Yeah. Like Jakal will be like saying, you know, the strength of Ra, but it's like, you know, little tiny voice like album and the chickmunk sound like, but the strength of Ra. It's really funny. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty good. My favorite was um, when Presley comes back the first time and Jakal's trying to get his attention. He goes, Prince Rapsies, it is Jakal. But it was like all tiny and squeaky sounding. <laughs> Prince Rapsies, it is Jakal. That was probably the funniest moment of this entire series. Wow. That's a bold statement, but you might not be wrong. It was really funny. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, we can't really walk through the whole episode because not a lot happens. It's just them looking for the scroll in tiny form. And, I mean, they run into various, like, obstacles because they're small, like the cat first. And then they ride the cat there to the museum. That was ultimately their transport. Until they get attacked by a dog. And then there's a dog, yeah, that also attacks them. And then there's a spider that attacks, which they kill because they crush it with a gong. Did you notice what happened there, though, is that they encounter this spider. This spider is hanging out underneath what I believe is the snack machine Uh huh. because the mummies get separated. So Nefertina and Rath are still at the snack machine while Armand and Jakal get taken away in the in Janner's the mop, mop bucket. bucket. Yep. So Rath and Nefertina encounter the spider under the snack machine. It cuts to Armand and Jakal for a little bit, and then when it cuts back to Rath and Nefertina fighting the spider, they are no longer anywhere near the snack machine. They are now in, like, a library with no explanation on how they got from here to there. I'm trying to remember back now. Like, I didn't notice that lack of transition, but I believe it. They fight the spider. I mean, this poor spider, like, it probably, it meant no harm, but they crush it eventually. Probably just trying to protect its young or something. Yeah, probably. Or Jeez. protect the candy, whatever the case. It was crushed, and then they move on to what is now the library because they were transported there somehow. And then trying to climb up to the very top shelf. Okay, here's a spot that bothered me because it was shown before that even outside of their transformed state, they were able to jump on top of that bus with ease. Like they can jump really high still. Yeah. So they probably could have just taken it like level by level and jumped onto the top of that bookshelf. Shouldn't have been as much of a challenge as it ended up being. Because writing. 
Because writing, <laughs> and because they had to throw a paper airplane in there, of course. Right. I mean, someone's got to ride in a paper airplane. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it ends up. There's not really a lot that goes on in between. Charlie the janitor was pretty funny addition because he's very focused on his job. He doesn't notice the mummies at all. He assumes they're bugs when he sees them. He mops them up a couple times. He yeah. keeps trying to tell war stories, or he's constantly distracted by telling Presley stories. And the mummies get the scroll that they need. They turn back to normal size. They go home. Then Armand, being the hungry one, tries to abuse that power by enlarging a hamburger, which he ends up being crushed under. And then the mummies just kind of laugh it off while he's begging for help. Oh, God. That was the episode. Not the best of the episodes, but it wasn't the worst either, I guess. Any episode Presley isn't in isn't too bad. And this one barely had him, so. That's fair. Could have been worse. That's what I'm going to say. Could have been worse. Could have been worse, yeah. So it was better than the first one, but not as good as the second one. Right. Gotcha. At this point, we should probably resurrect our very own inner Egyptian princes and see what they thought of Mummies Alive! Exclamation point. Chris. All right. Uh, Prince Chris sees? No, I don't like the sound of that. Get out of here, kid. Um, I'm not sure what the older Chris is talking about. I thought the show was kind of cool, but I really like Mummies. And I like Armand because he eats a lot and I'm really hungry. Presley is stupid and I hope he gets beat up. But knowing eventually that I won't like this cartoon when I'm older, uh, I'm going to have to give it two out of five mummified bowls of cereal with dusty sarcophagus marshmallows. Your turn. Conceptually, Mummies Alive has a lot going for it, bringing an epic tale nearly four millennia in the making of protection, resurrection, and ultimately revenge to the modern era. Added on to that, the transformation armors donned by our four main heroes was very well designed and an excellent addition. All that said, this is really all this cartoon had going for it. Everything outside of battling new enemies and murdering wave after wave of Shapti was extremely hollow, unfunny, and relatively dull. For the action and design elements alone, I would give this show 2.5 dry milkless bowls of cereal out of 5. And as a pharaoh prince, I demand that we seal this show back into its tomb for a few more centuries. Nice job, kids. You got it, Prince Joseph. We'll get right on that. Do you have any last thoughts about this one? Final thoughts. I like the design of the characters. That was always my favorite part, even as a kid. The transformation scene is the best scene. If you just took all the transformation scenes and showed them to people, they would probably think this is going to be an awesome show. And it could have been. I wish they'd left it adult themed like they were going to. But, you know, this is what we ended up with. So this is what we kind of have to deal with. I have the toys as a reminder of how cool they looked, but that's all I want of it. I don't need anything else from this series. Yeah, I agree. I think this show had some potential because it had very, very interesting and cool designed characters when it came like to the mummies. The bad guy Scarab, I could take or leave. Definitely want to leave Presley. Screw that guy. Ugh, awful. But they could have done better. And, you know, maybe it was a mistake making it a kid's show. They could have done more with, like, if they were targeting an older audience. But this cartoon, to me, is the epitome of everything that was wrong with cartoon series from the 90s. Uh, It was just stereotypical. There was poor writing. Even though there were some cool things about the characters, a lot of the characters just kind of felt really flat. Overall, it just was not done well. Very true. There were cool parts to this show. Just as a whole, it didn't work out. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching... The Jackie Chan Adventures, submitted by Brian Putvin, via dinner and a couple beers at his house. 
while we watched movies and played board games. Yep. (laughs) Once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.